Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a board gaming podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the games we play, the games we want to play, how we rank them, and board game topics that affect our hobby. In our very first episode, the Punchboarders discuss how we got into board gaming and why we love board gamings. We'll go over some of the games we've been playing recently and then draft our favorite games from five years ago in 2013. Well, welcome, everybody. This is our first episode of Punchboard Paradise, and I'm Clef, and I am joined by... I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. All right, gentlemen, here we go. Episode one, the pilot. This is, this is that one where listeners are going to listen and think, okay, I like these guys. I like what they have to say. This is pretty cool. Or... Oh my God! Where is that stop button? How can I cut these guys off as fast as possible? Right. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> well, since this is our first podcast, how about we uh, just tell people a little bit about ourselves? Oh, I think that's a great okay. idea. Um, so, I would say let's just do how we got started in board gaming, uh, how why we love to play board games, and then, as listeners will find out here in a moment. Let's do a little something non-board game related, like who is our favorite college football team? <laughs> so, Chad, get us started. All right. Well, um, I actually got into board gaming uh, a few years ago. Again, I should say. I played a lot of board games when I was a kid. I had, you know, uh, some of the classics such as Sorry and Monopoly and those sort of things. And we played a lot of party games like Pictionary. And I even had some of those board games that were from video games, like a Pac-Man board game, I think a Galaga one that I remember, maybe even Dragonlance. So those were some of the ones I had when I was a kid, and I was I was big into that. But a few years ago, uh, I found myself getting done with work. Uh, Stephanie, my wife, and I would get the house all cleaned up and ready and get our son put to bed and then just plop in front of the TV and sit there and stare at the TV and not really interact. And I started to think, uh, this is nice sometimes, but I, I want to, you know, I want to interact. I want to do something. So I, I went to a local comic book store that sold board games too, and sort of uh, did some very minor research and sifted my way through a pile and brought home a board game and we started to play it together. So, and then from then on, I was hooked and I got into meetups just to try different things and meet new people. And there's a board gaming cafe in Omaha, Spielbound, which is great. I went there. And uh, so that's that was really what started me off on everything so that is uh the big thing for me i i'm probably first and foremost a euro gamer at heart but i like a lot of different uh, games with theme in them as well uh, not so much a ton of dice rolling i guess but i'll try a lot of games so that's where my heart is at i like to delve in and solve a puzzle kind of kind of scratches an itch on my brain i, I guess so to speak but uh, that's my preference for board gaming, and uh, I'm excited to kind of talk games with you guys and share this podcast. I guess my uh, non-board gaming favorite college football team would have to be the Iowa Hawkeyes, since that is my alumni school. So that's it. <laughs> well, you're only <laughs> chapped because we beat you every year. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, Richie, what would you? Uh, why don't you share with the the listeners some some info sure so uh i started uh basically playing when i was a little kid just monopoly yahtzee just all the mass market games uh, with my family 
played a lot of trick-taking games growing up, uh, like Tonk and Euchre. And then uh, just when I got into college, I was a huge video gamer. Uh, and that's also where I met my wife, who is not a huge video gamer. So that ended quickly as far as me playing video games. And then um, actually my brother-in-law introduced me to Settlers of Catan. And after playing that once with him, I went and downloaded the app and just played that, played it until I was just sick of it. And then uh, just kind of like Chad, a uh, situation where, you know, me and Jessica were looking for something to do. And all the games that we had were really, except for Yahtzee, where you needed more people to play. So I just went on uh, Google and uh, searched for the top board games and uh, took me to a Dice Tower video. And uh, I think I ended up buying Ticket to Ride and um, the, Resi uh, the Resistance uh, because we were also going to have a... a kind of a game night later on with some friends and uh ticket to ride is my wife's basically her favorite game so we were hooked on that and it took off from there hmm. uh, as far as why i love games uh it's definitely uh just the interaction uh, being able to sit around a table uh, a lot of times it's with strangers and it's just a great icebreaker and and that's even how i met uh chad through a local con yeah I just signed up for some games, and I think it was Fresco was our first game that we That's played. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just love that it you know breaks down those barriers pretty quickly, and you can make fast friends just through. Even that. with your sweatshirt that you had on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess I should talk about that. So um, my favorite football team is uh, the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, the uh, Big Ten champs this year. Ooh. Yeah, still got whooped. <laughs> let's not talk about that we'll just move on from that <laughs> oh but, okay yeah but how about you clef um well similar to a lot of things you guys have been saying i i started playing board games when i was younger played with my mom and my grandma we played you know the yahtzee and clue and monopoly the, the mass market type of games and just loved playing games when i was younger just absolutely in, enjoyed it and then as years went by, you know, I got into college and started playing maybe some, if you want to say, heavier games like Risk and eventually went into Magic the Gathering. Played Magic the Gathering for quite a few years. Played that with uh, my wife, actually, was the one who kind of got me into that because she had a cousin who was doing some of the artwork for it. So we got into that. Um, and then after I kind of started to get out of Magic the Gathering, uh, at some point I found a game called Settlers of Catan and played that. Found it just to be an amazing game. Uh, really enjoyed it. So then I just started playing more like casual with my wife. And we had some friends that used to play. And we played different games. and But just kind of casually every once in a while. Not really anything big for me. Collected a few games. And then all of a sudden there was a year, about four years ago, my friend said, Hey, why don't you come to Gen Con with me? And I'm like, Gen Con? What's that? Oh, it's this gaming convention. It's like, okay, I'll go and do that. And wow, that is when my board gaming world blew up. And that's really when I feel like I became an official. If you have a gamer title, that's when that happened for me. I, I just absolutely have fallen in love with board games and probably uh, buy way, way too many of them. But uh, definitely uh, gives me great enjoyment. and I just love it. So and the main reason that I love board games, you know, I really can think of three reasons. One is the people interaction, kind of like what you were saying you can get together and play with your family. You can get together with friends. 
and you can even get together with strangers then which then can become good friends uh absolutely how i met both uh both of you guys is just by playing games together right. and you know turned into great friendships and that's just an amazing thing about that and that you know and i have that with lots of people that i've had that with so that's just that interaction is just amazing and then the other couple of reasons is just that puzzle i love that puzzle in my mind to try to figure out how a game works and and how i can best kind of do what i do and and kind of one of the reasons i like new games especially it's just that quest for how i can figure out this game uh, and then the last reason is i love the competition i love trying to put my puzzle up versus the other people's puzzle you know, not necessarily I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have to win. But I just like that feeling of what did I do to try to make my puzzle better than the other people's puzzle. So I just I just like that competition. So definitely those are the main reasons why I love board games. Right. It's so and then uh, oh, go I ahead. was just going to say real quick. It's so interesting to me how uh, I mean, I, I'm the only one out, out of the three of us who missed out on that Catan. I've, I've since played it, obviously, but that it seems like it's so many people's gateway. It's so interesting. And I've been, I've been talking to some friends, you know, that are just, just got into board gaming too from work and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, we play this Catan every weekend, which really surprises me with all the board games out there that Catan still gets so much attention and traction. I mean, because you know, the, the market is so inundated, but it's just, it's still, it's, you know, it's a really great accessible game for people. It's really fascinating to to see how many people that's influenced and how influential it's been throughout the the board gaming community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. hugely yep. influential. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm the store manager at Toys R Us here in, in Omaha, and I still constantly get phone calls about, "Hey, do you have the game Catan hmm. in stock?" And I'm thinking to myself. You mean the game from 30 years ago? Yes, I still have that. <laughs> yes, you can come get it. Absolutely. So, yeah, that is uh, an interesting fact for sure. Um, okay, and then uh, to finish off about me, uh, my favorite college football team, okay, the one that maybe hasn't been all that good for a while, but that's okay. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, go Big Red. Um, been a big fan. I went to college back in 91 at UNL, so I've, I've been a big Husker fan my whole life. And uh, hopefully uh, soon here, Scott Frost back at the, uh, at the helm, things will get better. That's that's my hope. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys have been going through some hope. tough times. <laughs> I think yeah, it'll definitely. get better. It can only go up, yeah, right? For sure. So, well, that's, that's – yeah, yeah, you're at rock right. bottom right, right now. So. Piling okay. on. <laughs> uh, okay, five national titles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, how many for the Hawkeyes? Uh, when was the last year? Oh, yeah, yeah. the Hawkeyes are pretty bad too. But. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's still five, whether it's recent or not. <laughs> I can't say anything. So. <laughs> okay. So, well, okay. So now I feel we've kind of talked about ourselves mm-hmm. and, and why we love board games. I thought it'd be kind of important for people to kind of know why are we starting this podcast? Uh, you know, is it just because we have a bunch of free time on our hand and we don't have anything to do with it? <laughs> no. By the way, that's not the reason. <laughs> you can always play more board uh, games with free time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what do you think, guys? Why are we starting this podcast? Well, one of the things that that we had talked about previously is, uh, you know, you just said we all met each other through board games, and it's sort of the idea of the community. I think one of the things I really enjoy when I get on Board Game Geek or even the Facebook forums or that sort of thing is the community, uh, the the camaraderie that everybody has, you know, together and. Like I said, when we all get so excited about board games and, and, you know, meeting each other and talking about them, there's community that happens there. And so just kind of 
having our in our own way in our own small way fostering a little section of the community and and uh, creating more relationships through through board games is is always exciting so that was one of the things i know we talked about yeah and i know for me i I listen to podcasts pretty much all week at work and it's just nice to be able to talk to you guys about it because my wife does not want to hear me talk about mechanisms or different designers she loves playing games with me but she doesn't want to get you know that deep with it so um and, and like chad said just the you know Building the community is going to be fun. So, Richie, you get a lot of the, uh-huh, that's nice, dear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Yep. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. It's <laughs> exactly what I get from my Yeah. Life. And, then, and then, then they'll turn around and say the same thing to one of the kids when the kids is telling, some, telling them something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yep. <laughs> that's okay. When my wife starts talking to me about crafting or something, I do the same thing to her. You know, pay no attention right. and just keep saying, uh-huh, sure, absolutely. Um. Yeah, you know, I just want to emphasize for sure. I, I definitely think the number one reason why we start this podcast is we love board games. Uh, the three of us constantly talk board games when we're playing, when, you know, we're just talking through text or whatever. We love board games and we love talking about board games. So we just thought, hey, let's put on, I guess, a audio recording of uh, us talking about board games and hopefully other people enjoy what we have to say and find it useful. Um, so I definitely think those are the main reasons why we wanted to start this podcast. You guys have anything else to add or are we wrapping that part up? I think that's good. I think we said it. I think we're good. Okay. Okay. Well, now that we've kind of told you what we're about and why we're kind of starting this podcast, let's, let's get it rolling. So let's talk about some of the games we've been playing recently. Richie, why don't you start us off? Uh, sure. So one of the games I've been playing a lot recently is Santa Maria. Uh, which came out at Essen this past year. And it's a mid-weight dice drafting tile placement game. And in the game, you're expanding your colony on your own little player board with these Tetris-like tiles. And on each of those little tiles, there's buildings which represent the different actions in the game. And the way that you activate these buildings or, you know, take the different actions during the game is you'll be drafting... Uh, white dice from the central board and then you also have your own supply of these blue dice and you're either going to be you'll take the die whatever die you're going to take and then you go ahead and you activate the buildings in order from left to right or top to bottom just depending on the color die that you use and then once it gets to the last building uh, it will block off that spot until the end of the round and it's just real puzzly I, i just love the engine building that you do in the game and i, I know clef you play this a lot too and i think chad you've gotten a couple plays yeah in. just one actually um, but yeah oh, okay yeah but just figuring out the puzzle of it and it's it's a short game it's only three rounds and you're also trying to manage um, uh, two different tracks on the main board uh, one track is the monk track that will unlock dice and also give you access to uh, different in-game scoring uh, and different resources and then you have the colonist track with that resets after each round uh, but whoever's furthest ahead uh, will score some points and whoever's in second place will score some points as well um, but just a really fun game um, and it just hits that uh, that perfect weight that kind of medium uh, weight game for me um, just fantastic right game. yeah i totally agree i i really like the puzzle part of which taking which dice and 
do you want to take this one with the blue die before the white die because they're going to go one goes horizontal one goes vertical and trying to figure out which actions you want to take and you can also place money on different actions but that blocks that spot once you put the money on there uh, and a fascinating puzzle i, I really really right. enjoy it yeah uh, um it's it supposedly has a variant in it where you're you start off with a town and then you get a special power, which I think both of us have just agreed. That's just how we play the game now. We yeah. That's just that. how, yeah, you should just never play it the regular way. Just play it where you get that, at least where you're getting that starting town. Um, Cause that just differentiates you from the, the rest of the players and gives you kind of a strategy that you can go after. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the things you said that is interesting to me about the game in, the, in my one play of it is I always love dice drafting. That's one of my favorite mechanisms, but the uh, what you mentioned the decision space to game time ratio is an attractive thing about that game. Now I you know me right. I like to play long games and uh, so that doesn't bother me. But sometimes when you have that you know great decision space and st- still in a small package of time where it can be a, a quote school night game and quote <laughs> you know that that's yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. Those are nice games right. to have for those reasons. So. Yeah, it's one of those games that I've played with Jessica back to back, just because it's so fast, and um, you just get just a satisfying puzzle every time. So, so that's Santa Maria. Uh, Chad, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, well, one of the games, or maybe I'll say game in quotes, that I wanted to talk about uh, is is uh, something I picked up a month or so ago called Legacy of Dragonhold. This is sort of billed as a cooperative narrative adventure. It's really kind of just similar to a group choose-your-own-adventure where you're creating a character kind of akin to a very light version of D&D. And then this character that you create uh, makes choices that will affect a sort of a persistent narrative, basically. The interesting thing about it, one of the reasons I picked it up is, is because it's a great one to play with a family. And... It's sort of in that same space as Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, if you've ever played that, where you have a booklet and maps and stuff. You've got the same stuff here, and you're deciding, after you've got your character, you're deciding, you get these decision points, and you're deciding what you want to do based on what you're reading, and then all the skills that your character has. Uh, So if you have a pickpocket ability, then maybe you'll get to choose this branching decision point rather than another one and the narrative can really change in fact we kind of dawdled at one point in our adventure and uh, we're then very sad about the consequences of it because we spent too much time doing one thing and and kind of messed up uh, our story so it, not in a bad way but it definitely changed the events but we've really been getting into this because my son start, started to sort of get into Lord of the Rings and he just loves this magic stuff and so he's he's really enjoying it and consequently we can all kind of sit on the couch together and read it now a lot of the reviews have said well this isn't fun i don't like it because i'm just passing a book back and forth you know and and each of us are reading and it's kind of annoying but uh to me when played as a family game where you know we read stories to each other all the time it works out really great i think a lot of times this is sort of written 
to be as a solo game mainly. However, they do have these tokens that you use, and so everybody gets a token. And so when one person makes a decision based on their character, of course, that's in the party, you flip the token over. Now that person can't make a decision again until everybody else has made a decision in the group. So it kind of prevents that quarterbacking and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's it's been fun and something different to do. And like I said, we don't have to sit at the table to play it. You just lounge around and snack or we can be cooking or any of that kind of stuff. So it's fun for that. I know, Clef, you, you, you had played it, right? Yeah, um, I picked it up. I heard uh, Man versus Meeple. Uh, they were talking about it, and they they really enjoyed it and thought it was kind of a neat game. And I had been looking for something that I could do for myself a little bit more solo. Not that I like to play solo games, but when I can't get anybody to play a game with me, no matter how much I beg, <laughs> um, I sometimes need something to do. So I, I picked it up for that. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to love the choose-your-own-adventure type of books. Uh, I read a series called Lone Wolf and, and just loved them. So that's kind of what I thought. Well, this is kind of a something from my past. And I kind of do it in my by myself. And I have enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's maybe not giving me quite as much what I wanted out of it after a while. It, it kind of seems to kind of pigeonhole you into one kind of way as you're kind of doing things. But um, but. I still like it. I, I still think it's kind of a neat little adventure. Choose what you're doing and, and, and have a little bit of fun time. And that's coming from just me doing it kind of as a solo. So I, so I think it definitely is kind of good for you could do it solo or you could do it like, you, like you're kind of doing, Chad, with, with the fans. Right. And the positive thing of having it in a group is you have more characters with more skills. So that does not pigeonhole you as much, for example. Uh, so Definitely. Okay. Well, that's, that's maybe for me where... You know, it's asking, you know, do I have these four different skills and I only have one of them? Well, obviously I'm doing that one. So sometimes the choose is not as much. So that might be a better way to play it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Richie, have you heard of this game? I've heard of it. I just haven't uh, looked into it at yeah. all. But it sounds interesting. It would be something that, you know, I would probably uh, like like the way that you're doing it. Once my kids get a little bit right. older, that's how I go about sure. it. Yeah, so uh, anyway, that's Legacy of Dragonholt from uh, Fantasy, Flight, Fantasy Flight Games. Clef, why don't you tell us what you have been playing? Okay, well, I've been playing Agra, I do believe is the correct way to pronounce it. Uh, so, I was calling it Agra, but a friend of mine told me that who's been to India that it's, it's Agra. Got it. Good. Thank you for that uh, I, accurate, more accurate I, pronunciation. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Or maybe I butchered it and he'll tell me after he listens <laughs> there to you go. Stuff. There you go. Well, anyway, um, the upshot so... is you've been playing fillers, right? That's a filler, right? That, by, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I play this on a school night easily. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> and a quick, t uh, it's a quick teach, too. Uh, yeah, right. Oh, yes. Super quick teach, yeah. <laughs> so, so what is Augur? Well, Augur is a two to four player worker placement strategy game. Um, it's designed by Michael Keller, uh, who also did a game I really enjoy, La Grande, huh? Uh This is basically each player is going to take a turn where they're going to have three different phases they can do. Two of those phases are optional and one is a mandatory. Uh, first phase, uh, which is optional, is called a meditation phase. During this phase, players can choose to lay down their workers that they have placed on the board to gain meditation points. And then they use those meditation points to do basically extra actions. Or they can choose to leave their workers standing up 
And then when other players come in and put their workers in spots that they have their stood up workers, they get displaced and then they get a favor token. And then those favor tokens can get you different bonus actions. Um, then the secondary phase is kind of the mandatory worker placement phase. This is where players will place their workers on either resource production spaces or one of the main characters, which will give them different actions. And then finally, the last phase is an optional phase also where you can deliver goods to the Emperor Akbar or fulfill an order, which these things will get you money either right away or at the end of the game. Uh, the game is played over multiple rounds and the game basically ends when one of three different uh, end conditions have been met. And then the winner of the game is the player with the most money. Uh, I really like this game. It is a very heavy, yeah, not school night, not filler. This is a heavy, deep game. Um, I feel like truly the actions themselves are fairly easy. Once you understand the game, what is going on is not that hard to do on, you know, if I place my worker here, I get this, or if I place my worker here, I get this. It's how do you put that puzzle together and, you know, that's where the heaviness comes in of, okay, well, if I do this, then I can do this and do this and do this. And it's kind of one of those things where you have to kind of think a few steps ahead. And that is truly one of my biggest loves in board games. Um, I really like the meditation track. Uh, I think that those meditation, whether you're going to lay down the workers and take those points to do those, or whether you're going to leave them standing up so that you can get the favors, I really think that's a neat mechanism. Um some one of the bad things about it, if, if I'm going to say a negative thing, is is kind of what Richie alluded to. It's a big game and it is hard to actually I don't know if it's saying it's hard to teach, but it's hard to teach and have someone understand and learn. You're going over so many actions that by the time you're done, they're not even going to remember half the actions. And so you will have to almost kind of teach the game kind of to start with and then teach it as you go along. The good thing is it's a completely open game, so you can kind of you know, help them learn how to play as it's going along. And then the other kind of bad thing that for some players that makes it tough for them is it's a completely open game. You can win by doing one thing or going and doing another thing. There's no like pigeonhole, like this is how you're going to kind of go. Um, I like the favors. I think those are really cool how they made that mechanism. And I like how if you use the favors at the right time, they can really boost you up and give you some good uh, extra actions. They also have these, what they call notables, which are kind of uh, cards that you can deliver goods to. And if you end up delivering the majority of the goods to these notables, then they give you special abilities or special special actions when you game them, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, so obviously, Richie, Chad, you guys have both had the one play that, that I've given you. What, what, what were your thoughts on it? After ruminating on it uh, more, I, I definitely want to play it again. I, I kind of had a chance to think about it more and, and understand some of the spots. And I, I looked at some of the stuff because yeah, it, it was really interesting in our play of it that we, we didn't, we didn't do like any of the, I mean, any of those, the deliveries above the board, what did you call them? Uh, uh, the, the orders. The orders. Yeah. We didn't do, we didn't really do that mm -hmm. at all. Like a whole section of the game that we really didn't even do at all, which was interesting, but I, I mean, I definitely want to do it. There, there was just so much going on there, for me at least, that I was kind of, uh, with with the way the board was laid out, overwhelmed. But I I like it. I like the idea of it, and I, I definitely want to play it again. Sorry. Go ahead, Richie. Oh, no problem. Yeah, like I was saying, I really enjoyed it. One, the game is beautiful, which always helps for me. Mm. Um, two, uh, 
you know, like uh, uh, Clef and, and Chad were saying, as far as, I mean, you can kind of go after one strategy. Like, there's no, like, you have to do this to win the game. Um, I think I kind of rushed the, um, that little river track getting the different bonuses. Um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting game. Uh, I would definitely want to get more plays of it in. Okay. Yeah, what's what's also interesting is uh, just a couple of days after that, I taught a couple of other guys how to play it, and we barely touched the notables, uh, and we just did kind of the orders, and then the moving, like there's a, a track on each guild that you can move a piece up, and that's one of the ways the game triggers, and one of the players just kind of rushed that and triggered the end of game with that and barely touched the notables, and the, and the boat down below barely moved, so... That's one thing I'll say about it. It's completely wide open, and I think you can have a variety of strategies uh, to be able to look, to win the game. And that's one thing I, I really, really like about it. So, yeah, overall, it's a definite keeper for me, and I definitely look forward to more plays of it. Uh, that is Agra. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, all right, Richie, what else for you? Uh, Voodoo Prince is one I've been uh, playing recently. It is an obscure, and you'll learn quickly with me, I, I like a lot of obscure trick-taking games and other card games that are not available in the U.S., but uh, Voodoo Prince was uh, its a game designed by Reiner Knizia. It plays two to five players, and like any other trick-taking game, there's always a little twist that kind of separates it from other people. And in this one, you have to be careful about when you take your tricks uh, because each player will be out of the hand once they take a certain number of tricks. So like in a four-player game, once you take three tricks, you're out of the hand. Everyone else will keep playing. Uh, but once you go out of the hand, you'll score points equal to the number of tricks taken by other people. So you don't want to go out first, but you also don't want to go out last because if you go out last, you only score the tricks that you've taken. So, like, if you took the first three tricks in a four-player game, you'd score absolutely nothing because no one else took any tricks. So it, it's got a nice little twist there. Um, it also has some special cards that are thrown in there that let you split tricks and different things like that. Uh, but it's a quick, uh, fairly simple trick-taking game that's pretty enjoyable. You play it. Uh, for five rounds and then after that it's just whoever won the most points so that's hmm. i'm guessing neither one of you guys have heard of it no at all. but i'm always game i mean i i like playing trick-taking games too I, I mean you always you know you always uh give some give me some good ideas and uh introduce me to some good ones it's just funny how you were talking about being obscure you know and finding it from another country richie's the guy richie's the guy <laughs> like like the like bands like i like them before they were big man <laughs> no i'm just I that I'm game. Game. The card games i am kind of like no, that I'm i won't just, lie i'm teasing you but uh but no it sounds like a great idea and like i said i, I love playing trick taking games for with with you so so yeah i'm in anytime you want to teach yeah we need to just have a trick taking night oh, yeah. or something i'm down because i got a lot of like card games yeah clef is in huh i i do it okay. yeah i've you know, obviously, I'm not as big a trick taking, uh, but I think that's just maybe because I just really haven't played a lot of. Okay. Um, and the the only yeah. one that I've I've truly played a, a lot of is Rook with my wife's family, and and that game is like 
That's brutal. <laughs> that is like a yeah. I'm like like if you mess up, I mean you you might get kicked out of the house and not be able to sleep there for the night. I mean it's that bad. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> nice. I, nice. I I stopped playing it. I'm like I'm done. I, I I'm competitive in games, but not anywhere close to that. So, but no, I'd be all up for a trick taking night. I think that sounds like a fun idea. All right. Yeah, that's usually how like trick taking games go. Like growing up, we played euchre every day at school. And one of our, our football coach, he would, would uh, set a classroom aside during lunch, and we would all go in there and play. And you, you were only invited if you knew how to play. And one of my friends was like, you know, let me, let me get in there. And I was like, do you actually know how to play euchre? And he lied to me, and he said he did. And he got matched up with our coach, and they lost Uh-oh. 10 to 0 because <laughs> oh, he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, and he was, oh, he was livid, and he kicked that kid out. He was not happy with me, but yeah, people take oh. their trick-taking game serious, especially in the Midwest. Yeah, that's, so, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, that's so that's awesome. uh, Voodoo Prince. So. Cool. All right. Well, the 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 next game I kind of picked to talk about is uh, called 1960: The Making of a President. Uh, the one of the designers is also a co-designer of Twilight Struggle. Uh, Christian Leonard, I think his name is, but. Uh, it's a card-driven area control game, just kind of like Twilight Struggle, but probably a little bit lighter, where you are taking cards and playing an event, uh, playing playing the card either for the event on the card or then generally for uh, action points, which can do a bunch of things out on the board. Uh, Nineteen sixty, the making of a president, by the way, is basically set in the Kennedy Nixon election of 1960 so really what you're doing is out on the board you're fighting over all the states and their electoral votes for the end of the game it's played over nine rounds and again you're playing these action cards to do different things so if i take an action card that i've drawn and it is a nixon card and i am kennedy i can't necessarily use that event it's not good for me but i can use the action points to do something else however the player who is playing nixon has an option uh, by using a momentum token that they can spend to cause that event to happen and have good things happen for them. So you're constantly drawing cards and trying to decide, wow, do I play this later? Is this a good time? How do I keep my opponent from using this? Because you can also have ways to nix your opponent from using the, the same event at times too. And so you're fighting over the state electoral votes, but you're also fighting over media control because that will help you with tiebreakers in different states. It also has a mechanism where in the middle of the game, in round five or something like that, there's a debate. And so you've been placing little chits uh, out on a debate track for different issues, such as, I think, racial equality, the economy, those kinds of things. And then in the middle of the game, there's that debate, and that's sort of an area control type thing too, but you're playing cards down to try to fight over that and get bonuses. Uh, I will say I played Twilight Struggle early on when I was first first getting into board games, and it was somebody that I didn't know very well, but that was really, really wanting to play this game and just sort of grabbed me and was like, yeah, let me teach it to you. Can you, you know, I really want, want you to learn it. And it was, yeah, it was, it was like three and a half hours of not fun. Yeah, it was, it just wasn't fun for me. But this, the worst. this game, uh, I, I really enjoyed my play of it. I, I just got it recently. I played it with Clef and 
it was it was rough at first because it's one of those that you have to you have to know what cards are out and what are going to come and so obviously the more familiar you are the more you can get synergies but i like multi-use cards anyway so i'm i'm more prone to like that but anyway that is uh that that was my experience clef what did you think of it um i liked it i feel like it was a little too long yeah that first play was very long (laughs) yeah um and, and I was sitting here, and I, as you were describing it, I was kind of in my head was thinking, okay, what about it did I like or didn't like? And I, one thing that I kept thinking to myself is when you when you have a hand at the beginning of every round, you basically are forced to play every one of the cards. And I almost was thinking to myself, I wonder if, you know, and I'm not trying to say that I'm any some master designer or anything, but if if you kept a card from round to round or something. So like maybe you could play it at more strategic time. I don't know. Maybe that would be, because I felt like it was just kind of like, well, during the round, yeah, there was some moments where maybe I could play a card strategically, but then I also felt like, you know, well, I'm just kind of screwed. I've got to play this good Nixon card. Uh, I was playing Kennedy and, you know, I got to play this one and, you know, you are going to take advantage of it and I couldn't do anything about it. So I, I don't know. Um, well, you do get to you know, set aside was, cards at certain points, right? You set aside cards for the debate or you set aside cards for well, the election at the end, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, but still, I mean, but to actually play, I guess, sure. out in the in the round. But um, overall, I definitely liked it better than Twilight Struggle. I thought it was a much better game in that sense. Um, maybe not my favorite type of game. But I'd play it again. Definitely, I'd like to give it a shot, actually, again, just simply because, obviously, the first time you play a game, it's so tough to really understand what you're doing, especially early. Sure. Yeah, so. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was 1960, The Making of a President. Uh, how about you, Clef? Uh Okay. Well, my last one that I'm going to talk about today is Raiders of the North Sea with the uh, Fields and Fame and the Hollow excuse me, the Hall of Heroes expansion, or as I would like to call it, the whole game, which I'll tell you about here momentarily. Real quick, I'll say Raiders, it's a, uh, with the two expansions, you can play two to six players. It's a worker placement game. Uh, It has a Vikings theme. You can kind of tell by Raiders of the North Sea. Uh, The nice thing is the simplicity of it. Each turn, each player really does two things. They place a meeple and take an action, and then they pull a different meeple off the board, and they take that action. Um, those different actions, they include doing things that are going to kind of prepare you to go out on these raids that you're going to do. So there you can get provisions, you're getting silver to buy crew, uh, you're getting weapons, things like that, that you're just kind of doing to kind of prepare to go on these raids. And then once you've kind of done that, then you go up to these like harbors and villages and monasteries and fortresses. And you kind of go do these raids, depending on you have these uh, Viking cards that are crew that you kind of use to have power to go and destroy these villages, I guess. And then sometimes you'll have in these villages kind of the uh, the bounty or the, uh, you know, the, uh, the things that you take from there. Sometimes we'll have things that actually kill some of your crew, which, yeah, you lose some of your crew, but then you're going to get points from getting um people to die that kind of go to valhalla and you know kind of move on so um so that's kind of the main game the the expansions bring a couple of new things one it brings these quests which i really like these quests they're 
these once you've raided a village or an area it used to be that was just blank and it was over now you put these quests down which have power on them but instead of like your crew power and you going to fight it you're sending crew out of your hand to go fight these things or to go grab these quests i don't even know if you call them fighting but just go get these quests and to bring them back and there's so it's just kind of an extra thing that you get to do it also has a new kind of material in the game which uh, can boost your raids which is beer how cool is that you get to have your guys drink beer and of course then they get more powerful so um, and then you get to fight these Jarls which is another really cool part of the game which are kind of powerful pissed off Vikings that are upset that you're raiding some areas of theirs uh, but the cool thing is is you can either kill them or you can subdue them and kind of turn them over and pay them money to kind of come over to your team or you can be a big chicken and flee and run away from them so um, so definitely a, a lot of cool things that they added with these expansions um, it's played over multiple rounds there's three different ways the game can can kind of end uh, which you know uh, ends the game I should say and then the winner with the most victory uh, points uh, Okay, I just said that again. The winner is the person with most victory points, if I can speak here. Uh, sorry about this. So uh, when I first played this game, and I think, Chad, you introduced this to me uh, quite a while ago, six months maybe ago. Right. I played it, and this was when it was just the base game, and I thought, okay, it's it's a good game, but not enough for me to go, oh, I wanted to own that game. I, I, I felt like there was something kind of missing. Right, and originally I, uh, I got it to play with yeah. Finn, you know, because – you know, my eight-year-old, like he could play that one. So it's kind of almost a family game by itself. Right, exactly. So, um, but here recently, a few weeks ago, you had gotten the two expansions for it and we got down and we sat down and played it. And I just was like, there, there is the game that I feel like should have been there from the beginning. It really kind of rounded it out, made some other different options to go on. And I just, that really completed it for me. And that's when I was like, yep, I got to go get that game which I did, and I think I've taught it to like four different people or four different groups since since I've gotten it. So it's, it's a really uh, fun one. And I think one of the other things I like about it is it's a nice teaching game. It doesn't take very much to teach it, especially, I mean, gamers, it's really easy for to pick up on. You know, you tell them here, boom, 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 and they're automatically just right away able to understand it and kind of jump right in and know what they're doing. And then people that maybe aren't big gamers it's even nice because it's like hey this is a very simple concept and, and i really like that about it um but yet um you know and i like that better than some games that are that are heavy like like an agro that it's really hard to teach and kind of get everybody going this is easy here's how you play it and you're, and you're rolling so um now are the yarls yeah. after you've played it a few more times i know when we were playing those the yarl mechanism was kind of clunky yeah right did that kind of smooth that out gonna be my question. after a few more plays? Absolutely. I, I am not, okay. you know, I can't, I'm trying to remember why it kind of felt clunky to start with, but I really feel like now that I understand it. And the nice thing is you can kind of set yourself up when you, because you take these wounds from those Jarls. But if you get to a spot that has a Jarl token in it and a Valkyrie token in it, you really can kind of set yourself up and take a bunch of wounds on one guy and then that's the guy that you use to kill with the Valkyrie token. So then it's like, oh, all right, just wounded that guy. Oh, all right, now. So yeah, yeah, it actually smoothed out just fine. Uh, I didn't, I don't have any issue with it. And since I kind of understand it now, I think when I explain it, I think I even kind of explain it where it makes sense now. Cool. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 
I wish that this whole game would have kind of come together. And I don't know, did on Kickstarter, was that an option when you first did it? In the second campaign, I didn't buy it off Kickstarter, but in the second campaign, you could get it with those two expansions. And I don't know what they were asking for it. I mean, when you do look at it like that, it is an expensive game. But to be honest, I mean, the base game, if you're getting a family game, it's still, in my opinion, a family game now, which is not what we're talking about using it as. But it's still a really well-produced game with those nice metal coins and, you know wooden oh. wooden tokens and all that yeah. kind of stuff the art is yeah great. oh the art yeah. some of my absolutely. favorite really so absolutely yeah. so yeah so yeah i just you know I, I i'm surprised that uh that it didn't come out that way to start with but and then again you know i understand companies definitely do that to you know that's an extra money maker i guess that's a another conversation for another day, so. <laughs> um last you know a couple of last things that i have to say just I do feel like for me as a, you know, more heavier gamer, I can see where it maybe would start to get a little samey. And I was actually the last time I played it, Mm -hmm. I realized, especially the first like four or five turns, it's just, you know, you're going to get in provisions, you're going to get some silver, you're trying to put out crew, going and getting some provisions, trying to, you know, so it's a little samey to start with. It does kind of branch out as the game goes on, but I could see myself it becoming a little samey for, for myself so that's my really my last thing that i'll say about it so anything else that you have to add chat on it well i would just say one of the opening i, I it kind of also depends on what your opening hand is too so if you piddle around a little bit like you get uh the i don't know what it is the tradesman or something where you can can get extra points on fulfilling those offerings to the gods basically or the jeweler you know, and getting that gold stuff, you can piddle around there for a little bit until you build up your crew, I feel like, and get some extra points that way. Now, you can't win that game without raiding fortresses. You just can't, I don't think. I think you have to hit some of the high-level fortresses no matter what. And the Jarls, obviously, are, are something you probably need to dabble in a little bit too. But I think your opening game can vary just a little bit based on what you start with in your opening hand. Yeah, true. So, Richie, any thoughts on it? I just have that one play of it, but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I would agree that kind of falls in that gateway, uh, gateway plus. So like uh, Lords of Waterdeep with the expansion. Yeah. Um, on that, um, I can see that. But yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, you know, overall, like I said, I think it's a very good game. I definitely, I would consider it a great gateway plus uh, game, but yet has enough meat on the bone, I think, for a gamer. So. So that's uh, Raiders of the North Sea with uh, the expansions Fields of Fame and Hall of Heroes. Nice. All right. All right. So those are the games we've been playing. Uh, Now let's get to the meat of the podcast, the draft. Most board game podcasts have top tens or top fives, and there's always crossover. There's always, you know, we'll talk about that when we get up on someone else's list later. Well, on Punchboard Paradise... That's not going to happen because today we're going to be drafting our top five games of 2013. And here's how the draft is going to work. So we'll determine who goes first randomly. And then that person's going to pick the draft order. Uh, then we'll just have a serpentine draft. So that means that the person who picks, first, who picks last in the first round is going to pick first in the second round. And then the person who picked first in the first round will pick last in the, will pick last in the second round. So once a game is drafted, it's off the board. No one else can draft it. Uh, so we're going to all have unique lists, and we'll all discuss 15 uh, different games. And so. discuss why Chad's list is the best. 
<laughs> we'll see about that. Or not, yeah. <laughs> Don't take my games. No, <laughs> so All right. I think uh, we're going to roll for it, right? All right. Uh, see who goes first. That's what we're doing. Okay. Let me grab a All right. die. No cheating. <laughs> no cheating, Chad. <laughs> Can I take the best of five? <laughs> All right. All right. Are we ready? Uh, count of three, we're rolling. Ooh, One. I got a six. Two, three. What? I got, oh, I six. started with a six. I got a four. Dang it. I got a four. Okay, so Richie gets to pick the draft order. All right, I'm going to go first. Uh, Clef, let's put you second. <laughs> now you get two picks back to back. All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks. All right. Well, I was not expecting to go first, but so I will go ahead and start us off and take the first game in the draft, and I'm going to take Viticulture. Yeah. Good pick. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I know that we all uh, pretty much love. So, um, so in Viticulture, it's a worker placement game, and uh, the whole goal of the game is to have the most successful winery in Tuscany. And you're doing that by fulfilling wine orders. And the really cool thing about it, especially with the Tuscany expansion, is that the board is broken up into different seasons. And... When you start the game, you're going to pick uh, basically where you wake up. It's like a, the wake-up chart in uh, Fresco. So you're going to pick at where you're going in player order. And every time you pass to go into a different season, you'll get some type of bonus. So, And it's the first to, I believe it's 25 points. I don't know if you guys remember off the top yeah, of your head. Yeah, it's first to 25. As far as what triggers the end. 25 with the Tuscan expansion, yeah. 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 Um, once someone triggers that, that will be in game. Um, but it's just a great worker placement game. Um, and like I said, I know that we all love it. That's why I'm taking it first. <laughs> and, you, and Richie loves it so much that he took the baseboard and framed it. Right. That's yeah. Right. If you have the Tuscany board, there's no reason to ever play with the base game, <laughs> or the, the baseboard. Right. So, yep. I just framed mine up and put it up in my game. Yeah. Room. I have, I have some friends coming over on Friday night and I think we're going to play this because it's just, it's such a great game. I mean, obviously it is a race game, but there's also that idea that I don't I don't know what it is. It's it's almost a greater than the sum of its parts. It's one of those games that you right. when you think about it, there's a feeling that you have while you're playing. It's just sort of this relaxed like really great atmosphere. You're still puzzling and you're still making decisions, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a subtle effect of the art or something, but it just it's just a great overall relaxing experience for me. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm working to win and build my engine and all that. It's great. Right. Yeah. I love the mechanics of the game. I love the uh, wake up chart, kind of the, you know, the fresco type of same thing had it. I just, I really like that. Oh, I could get up early and, and get things first, but I don't get as much bonuses as somebody who wakes up later. And I just really think that's a great part of the game. And then the, the grande worker that kind of, makes you never get completely screwed out of a worker spot if you really need something um it's just when do you want to use that grande worker to for your best advantage it's got great mechanics and just yeah overall great game the components are fabulous too this is where jamie started out blinging games and you know it shows it's great Yeah. yeah absolutely so now chad and i are very mad at you for uh taking that one off the board already that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's viticulture uh clef who are you drafting okay well this game that i'm going to take i believe it could be on one of your lists i'm not sure so i'm going to make sure to get it 
because I do not want to lose it. My one of my top three favorite games of all time. This is Madeira. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, that's definitely on my list. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure it's not on chats, but yep. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I still enjoyed it to be fair, but yeah. So yeah. Um, worker placement game, uh, dice worker placement game, actually, uh, where you have a few different uh, people, characters that you can go to, to get different uh, abilities. Really the unique mechanic of this game is, not only when you place a dice on a character to get their main action, but also at the end of the round, you're going to pull that dice off and then also be able to take a secondary action. And what's really cool is there's sometimes you are literally going to go to an action space just because you don't necessarily need that main action, but you really need that secondary action. And that is just to me is a really, really cool game. Very deep, very heavy, you know, very brain burnerish. But yet, for me, I really know, like, I've played it so much that it's one of those games that just kind of clicks for me. I just kind of, okay, I know what to do this, doing this. But yet, it doesn't become samey for me. I really feel like every time I can go different strategies. Uh, there's these pirates that you can get when you don't uh, fulfill a kind of a promise, basically, to pay somebody. You can take these pirates, or you don't feed your people enough. You can take these pirates. In some games, I'll just take a bunch of pirates and try to, you know, not worry about those and just take the negative points at the end of the game. In some games, I'll just make sure that I don't take hardly any pirates at all and try to eliminate them. So there's just a bunch of different ways to play the game. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. Just one of my favorite games. So, yeah. And I love that, uh, what you were talking about as far as placing a worker, sometimes just to take that secondary action at the end of the round. It's just, just being able to puzzle that all out. The first time you taught us how to play, I was just completely lost because you <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much that you're having to track yeah. and keep, uh, you know, keep straight in your head. Um, but once you like right after uh, we got done with that game, I started up a couple of games on board game arena just because I knew if I didn't play it again right away that I mean, that was just all going to be lost as far as, you know, even remotely remembering all the different actions and just the different strategies that you can go after. Yeah. This this is, yeah. to me, this epitomizes one of those games where if you fail to plan, plan to fail. Because there is like <laughs> these things really build on each other, all the actions, and you really have to look turns and turns ahead. And that's really what makes this a heavy game, I think, is that you just have to have your plan in place. And like you talked about, Clef, there are different ways because I, I'm not sure what what they're called, but those queen's favor tiles or whatever that you start out with and can grab more of, you really can choose how you want to score in the game to a certain extent and what tack you want to take, which is always attractive, yeah. I think. Like, okay, I'm yeah, going to... the crown's request. Right, that's yeah. it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so, yeah. You, you know, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to get a lot of wood and I'm going to get ships built and then I'm going to do heavy shipping, you know, because I've got this yeah. this queen's request tile or whatever, so... Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And you got to be careful with those two because you can easily get stuck with two of the same like right. in the last round. And if you don't have enough of that resource right. or whatever you're looking for, just you know, scoring oh, zero on one of those yeah. tiles hurts. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and I've had that before. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. there's one that uh, where you only score for like the extra character kind of people that you got, and literally if you have two of those in the last round, and you only have four characters, you're only scoring for one yeah. of those. And, <laughs> For you're you're lost that you forget it you can't win the game if you do that so yeah 
Mm. Yep. So that is Madeira. Chad, what do you got? Uh, I have a game that I know that uh, you both like. Uh, Clef, I introduced it to you, and you no! ran out and bought it. And no! Richie, Richie originally introduced it to me at ah. PetsCon in town. No! So <laughs> Richie knows what it is. This is Brussels 1893. Ah, uh, more people should be talking about it. I know, I know, we're all aware of aware of it, but not not as many people know about it as I think should, to be honest. And it's a it's a it's a euro with a great mix of mechanisms like worker placement, area majority. You've got some bidding. You've got some set collection. It's really a a beautiful soup, in my opinion. Uh, there is the theme the theme for it basically is the Art Nouveau movement in Belgium in the late 1800s. So, so guys, can you picture yourself in the Art Nouveau movement in Belgium? Because that's that's really what we're going for here. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I know no you're... So, yep, of course. <laughs> so you're, fo- you're focused on making art and building architecture and hobnobbing with various personalities of the period that give you these, these certain powers. And at the same time, you're um, placing workers and bidding uh, with coins under them to get to get cards that are on a grid that help you score basically. And then you can choose to um, also draft these personages that you pay for, and you can choose to either use them for a one-time bonus power type of thing, or you can choose to keep them and use them throughout the rest of the game, but then you have to be able to pay for them at the end. And if you can't, too bad for you. So there are so many great things about this game that I really enjoy. There's a market mechanism with the art where you're selling back pieces of art like chairs and this sort of thing, all different colors. And the way you do that, you're moving a grid so that when you sell something, you can make it more valuable one way, but less valuable next time for another person. And there's also a uh, sort of a resource wheel. When you're building buildings, you you build and then you move the resource wheel a certain way and you can see what other people have and you kind of want to choose stuff that they're going to try to build with that make it impossible for the next round for them to build it or make it very difficult anyway. So it's just a really great game and has a lot of great possibilities for for both direct and non-direct interaction. So yeah, That's another one of those games where it's... I mean, as far as like the gameplay goes, it's pretty simple, but there's just so many moving parts right. that the, you know, the puzzle of it is just fantastic. And I love the, um, and this is just, just a random stupid thing to love about it. But <laughs> at the beginning of the round, when you flip over that card and then whoever the start player is for the round gets to decide what action spaces are available. I just like that little, uh, the piss little mechanism. Oh, I thought you were going to say you like the little piss boy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little p- pissing boy statue i was like okay richie well you can frame that and put it on your wall too <laughs> no not that. No, but on what richie was saying i will definitely agree with i like the fact that because you are when you're building those buildings you're putting those out on those action spaces so if you get to be first player you gotta gotta choose what part of the board gets used and you're obviously going to try to use the part where you have the most buildings to give you those bonus actions. So right. Right. Yeah, I like that part a lot of that, that game too. So that's just overall is just a great game. I mean, the, the uh, basically the kind of the uh, area of majority with how much money you're putting on the cards and then 
trying to have so many people up in the thing, and then if you put too many, one goes to jail. Just everything about that game, I think, is just really, really well done. And I, and I will agree with you on that, Chad. That is a game that you do not hear. Uh, hardly, I don't, I can't even really think of people that have talked about it here lately. I think it's kind of just kind gone by the wayside, and that's unfortunate because it is a great yeah. game. Yep. It was out of print for a long oh, time. Yeah. Thanks, Zeman. And then it finally got a reprint. I, I mean, I don't, since I already own it, I, don't, I haven't been keeping track of it if it's still in print, but yeah. It yeah, I don't know, definitely went by the wayside. Yeah, so that's Brussels 1893. Read it and weep, guys. All right. <laughs> so uh, now I get another selection, which yeah, seems what else are you pretty take sweet. Here? I am going to take. Well, I think you guys kind of know at this point because I'm I'm a Feld I'm a Feld guy, so I'm going to go with Bora Bora. Uh, so gosh. Kill yeah, me. Well, me. you know, <laughs> I, I guess I like bees too. We're all gonna on my team. We're all gonna have a bunch of bee names, maybe. So anyway, <laughs> uh, this is uh, another one of uh, Stefan Feld's great uh, games. It's a point salad type game, uh, which he's kind of known for. But basically, the idea is that you're an island tribe in the South Pacific, and you're building huts for a sort of area majority mechanism. You're praying to the gods for these powers that you get and then you're completing other other different sets of objectives for points such as jewelry and that sort of thing uh this is a sort of a dice worker placement or a dice action selection main mechanism it's heavier than castles of burgundy but it also centers around using that same sort of thing and and making different die rolls important for different things and of course taking a spot and blocking it off for other people. But again, it's just a really great uh, use of that action selection with the dice mechanism that I enjoy and kind of just get into building my own tribe and, and doing, you know, doing the different interlocking mechanisms to just get points and points and points and points. So, uh, yeah. So Richie, I know you, this is probably one of your favorite felds, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, right behind castles of Burgundy. Uh, overall mm-hmm. um, as far as felds go but um, yeah I just love the and I can't remember off the top of my head is it when you place a die the next die that has to be placed has to be lower right yeah I think that's yeah, what it is right. yeah. yeah I love that so yeah I just like that interaction that you can have and you know kind of block people out of actions that they might right. need yeah, yeah. Great game. and then you, you have those god cards though that sometimes can allow you to play a dice that's higher or you know equal a die or something like that yeah right mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in the exact same spot as Richie is. It's it's my second favorite Feld game, uh, right behind Castles. You definitely, I like the mechanism of the dice, and you know it's got the whole man and woman tiles that you can get, and if you get a couple of the same women tile or men tiles, then you get to activate them both at the same time. Kind of a neat little, you know, thing that he does. You know, that Feld always kind of gives you, but definitely a great game. Yep. Okay, so that is Bora Bora, the second B on my list. All right, so I think it's back to back to Richie. Oh no, it's back to Clef. I'm uh, sorry. No, back to Clef. Yep. Well, considering I've you know I've already gotten three of my games taken away here, this is <laughs> uh, killer on me. Okay, a couple of them I feel pretty safe on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit further down my list here and and pull one. I don't know if either one of these if this would be on anybody's list, but I, this is one that I really enjoy. And it's called uh, it's called Brew Crafters. Ooh, hey, that's a B um, game. Ooh, no, it's <laughs> good. It took a B game. All right, um, 
I actually learned the first time how to play this last year when I went to Geekway of the West. And a couple of my friends were had talked about it, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to give it a shot. And so we played a three-player game of it, and I really, really liked it. It was really neat. It has, you know, a, a mechanism of another kind of a famous game where you continue to add things to an action space when it doesn't get taken in the former in the former round you continue to add to it um and but you're gaining different uh materials to basically brew beer and you'll take different actions and like as it has a board that kind of goes down where to start with you'll use your meeples up in one area to take and do these different actions and then down below then you'll take another action to kind of do different things to help produce that beer and then your overall thing is, is you're just kind of trying to turn out beers, but it has all these wonderful beers that, that uh, from different, which I think are their actual beers, if I'm not mistaken, that they have these recipes for that you're trying to make. And if you're the first one to make one, you get, you know, a certain bonus and beautiful game. I, I think that the whole colors and everything in it just look really nice, but a really neat mechanic. I just really like the the puzzle once again of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you guys either one of you played this before? Oh yeah, I'm surprised we haven't played it. Uh, okay. We hadn't played it before you played it because I I like that game. I just I just haven't. I I don't always break it out for whatever reason. I kind of like it at more than two. I think because there's that community action where you can go together on a garden. I think it is or something of that sort where you where you can get some of those resources, yeah. a share of the coffee, you know, for the coffee brews or the fruit or. But one of my favorite things because this is. You know, the designer, Ben Rossett, took it from Agricola. One of my favorite things oh. is is uh, is the tech tree, which isn't in Agricola. But there's a tech tree on it. It's a pretty simplified tech yeah. tree, but this is sort of the make-your-own-brewery time. So this is how you get to differentiate, and you decide which way you're going to move up on this tech, on this tech tree and, and take those actions. That kind of feels a little bit more individualized, and I enjoy that too. So no, good game. How about you, how Richie? About you, Richie? I haven't played this one yet. Um, I've heard it compared to Agricola, so I kind of stayed away to, for, from it for that reason. <laughs> but I would definitely, I would give it a try. I just haven't uh, had the opportunity to play it yet. Right, Richie, uh, take it from me. You know, I, I hope I don't get uh, criticized or anything for this, but I think it's a, I like it better. I, <gasps> okay. Uh, criticize, no, criticize. Uh, <laughs> wow, boy, oh boy, I, I just lost half of our <laughs> yeah, listeners. That's right. So. The two, Click. the two listeners down to one. <laughs> but uh, no, I knowing you, Richie, I, you'll like Brewcrafters, I think, much, much better. So, Okay, so. cool. All right, so that was Brewcrafters. Nice. A B game. All right. <laughs> Richie? <laughs> All right. I'm going to break the whole B game uh, thing. I'm going to go with uh, Russian Railroad. Oh, good one. Really, really good, one. good one. And this is, this is another one. Uh, my first two picks are going to be like this, where the expansion is essential. Mm. Um, so it's a worker placement game, and this is one of those. Uh, really, it's a you know soulless euro as far as the theme <laughs> goes because it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. You're you have these three different tracks on your board, and you're placing your workers out um, to move those tracks along the board. And as you go, you're going to be unlocking you know different uh, bonuses and um, and what I really love about it is that you know in the first round you're only scoring like 10, 14 points. And then by the last round, you could be scoring like 100 points. It just keeps ramping up as you go. It's just a nice little, um, uh, just a just a 
you know, just a fun uh, little worker placement game. And with the German expansion, uh, it makes it work because the base game, there was kind of a set way to play. Yeah, sort of like if you wanted to like win. Puerto Rico, almost like you do this, then you do this. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're new to the game, you know everyone's just kind of shaking their head at you because you're <laughs> stupid <laughs> because you didn't do the right move. So, uh, but with the German expansion, uh, you get it to where there's uh, these little factories, or not, they're not the factories, but um, different pieces that you can add to your board that will make it different. Um, and it, it just it takes away that original strategy um, that most people went after. Right. There's so, more than one way to win then at that point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know, Chad, you like it. Clef, are you, uh, are you a fan? I, I am. I, I do enjoy the game. I do. I've played it many a times. Um, it is definitely, you know, even with the, the German expansion, you still, it's definitely a perfect information type of game. There's no really hidden anything. It's right. different between who the, you know, what, uh, what are they called? Engineers, maybe those, uh, the people that kind of come out that you can buy to yeah. start with. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes, you know, different games. So I don't ever, it's not like chess where it's the same thing every time, but definitely one of those perfect information games. So I think that if you are matched up with somebody who is maybe just understands the game better, it's certainly going to be hard for you to ever win. There's, there's not really any luck in it, but I still think it's, it's a really fun game and I, I really enjoy playing it. Right. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, Russian Railroads. Then I got uh, another pick, right? Yep. Yep, Rooney. All right, yeah, you guys have taken a lot of my list. Yeah. Um, I'm going to drop down, and I'm going to take Cold Baron. Oh, Ooh, good game. All right. Good game. You're going all railroad. Uh, He's going Mike. all railroad strategy, folks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so far, all worker right. placement, that's right. for sure. But, but that is my favorite uh, mechanism. So so in Cold Baron, it's a uh, Kiesling game, and I'm a huge uh, Kiesling, or Cromer and Kiesling fan. Um, and it this is a little lighter. It's a, I would say, gateway uh, worker placement game. Uh, but what I really like about this, it's you're essentially – um, you know, coal workers going into down into your mind, and it has this really neat uh, elevator board where you actually can slide the elevator up and down. Uh, but you're placing your workers out, trying to get these mine shafts that you put coal onto, and then you're trying to get the coal out of the mine shafts, and then you are delivering that coal uh, to the different uh, different area or different transport. Um, is you know they. You have the coal or coal or the cart. I don't know. It, the train. There's different ways that you can transport it. Uh, and that's how you score your points by fulfilling these different orders that you're getting off of the board. Um, and one of the neat things about it is that when someone goes to a worker placement spot, it's not blocked off like in most worker placement games. You can go there. You just need to go there with more workers and and push them out, basically. Uh, so in the game, you got to be extremely efficient. Uh, with your your different actions um, but yeah it's just a just a really neat uh, kind of entry level worker placement game cool have, have either one of you guys played i've played multiple times uh i really like the game i was surprised i didn't think that it would be you know i thought it might be too simple or just not enough meat on the bone and mm-hmm. i've really enjoyed it uh, one i've been able to teach my wife and she enjoyed it and i've been able to teach my two sons and we've all enjoyed it. I love the 
you know, you can keep doing the same action over and over and over again as long as you want to continue to put more people there. Uh, right. Obviously, you're going to run out of people really fast if you do too many spots of the, of the same ones and you're bumping people. But, um, you know, you get the cards to get the to get the uh, move the coal and everything. I just I really like it. I, I think yeah. it's a great game. I, and money can be really tight in that game, too. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't played it. Uh, I really want to play it, but I think what you said, Clef, is is the hallmark of some of the best Cromer and Kiesling games. Is you know low rules overhead and great decisions. You know, which usually translates to pretty good family game. You know, or you know one that you can kind of gateway plus that you can kind of introduce to a lot of people. So yeah, I, honestly, I think this would be. I, I think this would be a good one for you to have your wife and son play. I think they definitely would. Uh, it's not too heavy, but it yet has some good decisions. Cool. I think they'd enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Well, yeah, Clef, I just have I have one question for you. Are you the guy in the coal elevator that pushes all the buttons at once? Is that, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. All right, so that's Cole Baron. What do you got, Clef? Uh, nothing. Every single thing's been taken on my list. No. Um <laughs> But wow, I am, I am down on my list. I mean, I've I've got my two that I feel like I I don't have to worry about. So I'm actually down way way down, and I'm going to do another Feld game, uh, which maybe I'll take one away from Chad. Oh, here. you don't. And I'm uh, well. <laughs> hey, you took mine, so I'll take yours. I'm going to go bruise. Damn it! Another B game, Clef. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm taking over the B world. <laughs> Uh, Bruges, yeah. Um, Stefan Felt. Um, it is a card, multi-use card game, uh, which, you know, is something I definitely enjoy. I, I think Chad enjoys it more, but, um, you have cards that all have different colors on them. I think there's like five different colors and every round you're going to roll some dice and then the dice will kind of determine what kind of value so you'd get a card. So, for instance, if you had a red card and the dice value was four, you could ditch your red card for like four dollars in money, or you can ditch your red card to build a piece of a canal, or you can build a building, or you can use it as whatever the person is that's on the card that then will give you like a special ability. So it's really fun on the fact you're looking at your set of hand, uh, you know, your cards in your hand, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, I could use this one for this and this one for this, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do this. So it's it's really kind of a fun thing where you're trying to figure out the best way to use those cards. And, of course, as in all Feld games, there's a bad thing that's kind of happening to you where uh, when you're getting these, whenever high rolls have made, you get... Uh, I can't remember exactly, but you get pieces that kind of hurt you or they're uh, like are going to hurt your building. You've got or like you're going to lose a person. You've got flood and yeah. fire and flood and fire. Yeah, those type of wonderful things that Feld likes to throw at us. And you can also use cards to get rid of those things or your character sometimes will get rid of those. And if you don't, like I said, then you kind of get a punishment type thing. So um, just overall, a really uh, fascinating multi-use card game. And in fact, this is one of my wife's favorite games. So I've, I've played it a lot because she really loved it. And I was, when I first had it, I'd heard about this expansion for it, but the expansion was incredibly hard to get. 
And I just kept looking for it and looking for it. One day on the geek market, I found it and found it actually what I thought for what prices I did see on it, found it at a reasonable price. I think I got it for $40, which yes, for an expansion, maybe for some people, that's a lot of money, but for that, it wasn't so bad. And I, I picked it up and uh, the expansion even made it a better game where you're, you got other things that you've kind of added to it. You got new people and just overall uh, a great game. So and Chad, we're not going to let you talk about it at all. Richie, what do you think about it? <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I uh, And like I said, for that expansion, that is a good price. Because I, I ended up selling mine just because my wife does not enjoy that game at all. Because she gets frustrated with when she's looking for a particular card color and it's not coming up. But I know I sold the base game in that expansion for you know way more than I should have. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good price for that. But, yeah. Good game, and yeah, that with that expansion, it makes that the river the canals or the or the canals, canals. yeah, yeah, that's what a lot is. more yep. viable. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Chad, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just that that's a good one. I mean, that's again that this is a multi-use card game that you I feel like you can teach it to a variety of skill levels as well and still have a good time. There is a random element, but I feel like you can mitigate that somewhat with the draw and. It's 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 nice. Like I said, the expansion to me really makes the game. It's I'll still play it without the expansion, but man, if I can, I really want to play it with the expansion because of how it just it, it I I hesitate to use the word balance, but it seems to spread out the the points a little bit more and again make the canals more viable. Also, the boats that you turn over, you get certain bonuses and and it makes you do different things that way because you get bonuses each round for doing different things. So it's nice. I, man, I really like that game. It's a, it's another one that just to play just sort of feels good. I don't know. So, yeah, I I think, I think uh, on what we've talked about this a few times where one of these days we'll have a a felled day. And I think that'll be a good one for, for us to kind of get to the table and and play. Right on. I'm all in. So that is Stefan Feld Bruges. All right. Good one. Chad, I think I've taken all the B ones away from you. You have, damn it. <laughs> all right, what do you got? Okay, uh, so so it's mine again, huh? So I will yep. pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with yeah. I'm gonna go with Rococo. So I know that this is not uh, everybody else's on everybody else's list, but I don't care. And another thing, this <laughs> this one is uh, not so popular sometimes. I think because of the theme. I don't think that's that's why it's not on you guys' list, but um, I I'll tell you I like making pretty pretty dresses, and I don't care who knows. So because <laughs> you go, <laughs> that's right, because it is about and pairing it with that's jewelry. right, and pairing it with jewelry because that's a special skill of mine. So I I really like this game. It's uh, it's actually designed by Matthias Kramer or Kramer probably Matthias Kramer, and then Stefan and Louis Maltz, which I always forget, but. He was part of this design team. And, of course, Matthias Kramer uh, helped design Glenn Moore and Kraftwagen. Uh, so some of those games that we, we really enjoy. But it's an area majority game during the Rococo period in which you are a tailor making gowns and suits for a beautiful Rococo ball. And the reason that it's area majority is you're placing them on people and you want them to be in the most visible areas of this room of this big house. So they're going onto the board as you as you build them through resource conversion and hand management. It's interesting because 
besides the area majority, you have that hand management or hand building mechanism that lets you take various actions depending on the cards that you play play down. And then you you can only use the cards that are still in your hand until you pick everything back up. It's sort of kind of akin to uh, the Concordia mechanism. And you're able to do things like hire new employees, which are on these cards, which help you do the actions for the dresses and resource conversion and stuff. And then you can, they call it depute others, which are basically like firing them. You get a bonus for them and or money. And then you, uh, it's almost kind of like culling your deck, but you're also getting money for it. Uh, and then once again, you're, you're trying to place these dresses out on the board in, in strategic locations and block other people from getting those locations. And it's a nice, it's a really great area majority game that does something just a little bit different with the hand management. And the other thing that I really like about it is it, it's an area majority game that to me plays pretty well with two as well. There's, there's two different sides of the board. So this, mm-hmm. this one would also, th- this kind of tells you what year it was. Now we're, we're doing 2013 games, but the Kenner spiel had um, had a bunch of games that were from kind of 13 and 14 combined just because of how they fell. But this was nominated, didn't win, but it was nominated for the Kennerspiel along with Concordia and Istanbul, which won, of course, wrongly in my mind. But, you know, that's just me. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, it, it's, it's a great little game. I love it. Uh, you guys have both played it, right? Yeah, I've played it a couple of times. It's, it's interesting. It's, uh, and like you said, it, it plays well at two. It scales very well, yep. and with without the expansion, it can get a little samey. Sure. But um, but yeah, it's a good game. Um, I have only played it once. Um, it was at a. I went over to a friend's uh, house. Uh, Jake, a friend of mine, went over to his house, and somebody had it there. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And we played a five-player game of it. So. It took a little bit because I think only one person had played it and the rest of us were all new to it. But it was fairly simple to pick up on and I I seemed to enjoy it. I did not play with the expansion, so I just played the base game. Uh, definitely would like to, you know, it was close on my list, but with only the one play, I couldn't quite make it to my list. So I, I definitely would like to give it a, a few more chances and, and try to see, see what I think of it. Great. Yeah, so, uh, so that's Rococo. All right. <clears throat> well... I I am going to uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go with Caverna. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I, I wow. This okay. Is, All right. This is that was hard to choose. The gloves are <laughs> off. <laughs> that was hard to choose, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I was kind of looking between two ones, and and I I really I. Yeah, I really. The more I think about it, that this is the one I wanted to put on there. Now it's an it's an Uwe <laughs> Rosenberg game, uh, in his in his Ooh. Harvest trilogy. It's a sandboxy kind of game, uh, in that there's a lot of stuff open to you, and it doesn't nearly feel as night as night as tight as his other Harvest trilogy game, Agricola, which it often gets compared to because there are so many ways to do a thing and. There are so many options open and roads available. It's a worker placement game like many of his other games. You're uh, choosing to either farm or uh, or adventure. You're a cave dwarf and you can bling out your cave and uh, open up the rooms and do different things with, with those. And it's like 
like typical Rosenberg, it's a lot of resource conversion um, and some tile laying, but it is pretty wide open and there are lots of different strategies to, to follow. The one knock against the game, I think, is that the tiles that go out every game are the same tiles, so you never see anything really different, but there's just so many of them that a new person to the game can get kind of overwhelmed looking at all of them. But I, yeah, yeah, I think that happens. And so, so I, I enjoy this. Now, a lot of people uh, treat this like, like the old uh, adage of you can't be, you can't be a Beatles fan and a Stones fan. You just have to be one or the other. And, and they, the, that's sort of the same argument for Agricola and Caverna apparently. But I, I'm not that way. I can do both. I enjoy Agricola when I want to have a nice tense game and sweat it out a little bit and feel like the game is trying to beat on me and then when i want to just relax and make my little my little ruby mine and maybe farm some wheat have a donkey or two sit back and score some points then i want to play caverna so it just depends on the mood i'm in and i enjoy both that way i don't know if i could pick one over the other i like agricola's variability with the cards it's just infinitely variable almost but I, I like what Caverna does, and I've heard that there's a expansion, an expansion in the works. So we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I heard that yeah. too. So yeah, Richie, which is, I mean, it's surprising that it took so long for right? them to expand. Right? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same it, thing. Yeah, with how well it did right out of the gate, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, there was a couple mini expansions, but I mean, those just added a couple tiles to the to the yeah. board. So I know you want to talk about this, Richie. What's your experience with it? It's it's probably I don't know if it's my favorite Rosenberg. It's up there. Um, I I am one of those people where I do I don't like Agricola. You know, I have a job <laughs> that's stressing me out already, so I don't need to to deal with that in a board game. So I like the the fact that it's a sandbox game and that you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can go after different strategies. Um, I would say the big knock against this game is that it on the box, it says one to seven Mm -hmm. and it, that's just not true. (laughs) (laughs) It should, it should not go over four. Uh, Four is the upper limit um, that you should go. Um, Because yeah, once you get up to seven, I've done a seven player game and it took us like six and a half hours, which is, too long for this. It's game. awful. I would st- but, yeah, it's longer than Twilight. Of That's right. I would start goodness. pulling right. out a yep. die yep. to <laughs> fight with your other dwarves and kill off, <laughs> kill off donkeys. Oh exactly. Yep. But yeah, I, I, it's a fun game. It's a good one. Cool. And Clef. Uh, I think it has some really nice artwork. Okay, move on. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's Caverna. Right on. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, back to me then, right? Yep. No? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, next one I'm going to talk about. This is the game. Well, the game is Firefly. And I will say off, start off right off the bat. I like this game more because I love the TV show already. The the TV show makes this game, loving of the TV show, I should say, makes this game much, much better for me. The actual game itself, it's a pickup and deliver game. You kind of go from one planet, you get, uh, you know, some orders to do something and you fly to another planet and deliver some goods or try to do some different things. But 
and this I won't say very often, the theme of this game and how they did it is just dripping for me. And I feel like when I'm actually playing this game, I am, and for anybody who doesn't know anything about the TV show, it's basically kind of a space Western type of show with, uh, they have these ships called Fireflies and the, the main characters were actually, well, they were kind of bad guys. They were kind of outlaws and doing, uh, they were going against the, corporate world and in this game that's exactly kind of the feel that you get where you're kind of on the outskirts of this what they call alliance space and you're trying to do secret jobs and trying to uh what they have the called these misbehaving cards that you're trying to get through these misbehaving cards and uh try to come out, out on top and there's a little bit of dice rolling in it i mean where there's there's a dice that you roll in it which can sometimes be annoying but you can certainly work it trying to make sure that your crew is good enough to kind of mitigate that that dice roll. Uh, but like I said, that, to me, the dice roll is just part of the kind of the theme, you know, huh, did I get lucky enough to do this? And uh, did, did I have a, you know, just what I was needing to kind of accomplish this mission? And as in Firefly itself, not everything goes right. So it kind of, once again, goes with the theme. Um, hmm. I have a couple of friends that, you know, also are big Firefly fans. And so when we play this game, it's almost like not even a game. It's it's almost like an experience to sit down and, and pull the game out. And I have everything for this game. I mean, I have all the expansions, all the extra little ships and everything that goes along with it. I even bought the the map of like a, a long like vinyl map that you can pull out so that you don't have the cardboard maps that you that and it basically for a just a two-player game will take up my entire table and like a few tables around just to put all the cards and stuff on so it's just an epic type of thing when it when it gets pulled out and it's a just a, an experience um, i don't know have either one of you guys played this or seen anything about it i had one play of this game and i i do like the the ip i really do uh my play that i didn't enjoy had more to do with the circumstances of who I was playing with, which is, isn't it interesting how much of that can affect things, but Absolutely. how who it had to do with who I was playing with and a couple other things. I have to say that you can still prepare quite a bit for some of the jobs that you want to do with your ships and stuff like that and still get boned occasionally by the dice. So sometimes that's not fun when it makes a game go a lot longer and or you feel like you've prepared and then you didn't prepare enough. So but there, I do have to agree with you that, yes, it does have a lot of theme because these cards you get to do the job are basically like little stories that hap have happened on the TV show themselves already anyway. And so it is it is fun for that. So if you're playing, I almost kind of think of this game as sort of a beer and pretzels game where you want to play with a low number um, and and have have, you know, people that really love the IP and then just, you know just have a good time being with each other and playing the game and sort of almost role-playing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, three is my max that I'll play this with and the people playing have got to be just enjoying and having a good time. It's it, they can't be like, Oh, how can I try to win? You know, that's, that's really not the object of when, when we play. Right. So, so yeah. Maybe one of these times I'll have to have you play it with Brian and I just to see if you like it any better. Yeah. I'd, I'd totally be down for that. So, uh, I don't know, Richie, do you think, is this anything that you, are you a Firefly fan at all or? I've never seen the show. So, um, you know, I don't have any connection in that way. I would definitely, I've seen it on the table and I, you know, I don't mind 
just random dice chucking every once in a while. So I would definitely give it a try. Okay. So, all right. So that was Firefly. All right. So back right. to you, Richie. Uh, yeah. So I'm picking my last two. So I got to find a replacement for Caverna. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> I was going to go with an all-worker placement. That was going to be my oh, man, I messed it up. I'm going to have to change that yeah, up a little bit. that's what happens. All right. I had a plan for bees, So I'm going to replace it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Legacy, uh, the Testament of Duke de Cressy. Nice choice. I don't know if I'm I think that's correct. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, nice choice. Okay. Hey, and by the way, okay. I was thinking the other day how I want to get this back to the table. So, Yeah, I definitely I, I enjoy playing it. It's a uh, worker placement game where you're trying to build. This is pre-revolution uh, France, I think, mm -hmm. um, and you're an aristocrat, and you're trying to build the most powerful, um, wealthy, wealthiest family, and you only get like two or three actions per turn, but you're doing like the different actions are, you know, having children, uh, marrying or arranging marriages, uh, socializing so that you get friends, asking your friends for money. Um, it's just it's a very unique. Um, theme that you don't see um, and it's a table hog as well because you are going to be building out you start with your either your uh, patriarch or matriarch of the family and then you'll marry them off uh, with you have these different friend cards in your hands that have a bunch of different abilities and they also have different nationalities and then as you go through the different the games played over it's three generations. There's several rounds within each generation, but you're playing over three generations. And as you go through the different generations, uh, you'll be marrying off your kids with the uh, different friend cards that you have in your hands, and it, it just keeps expanding. And even though you only have two or three actions, by the end of the game, well, as long as you do well, by the end of the game, you'll have a huge family tree in front of you. And it's just, it's an interesting theme. Uh, I think they uh, implemented it perfectly in this game and uh, really good game so yeah i know i've taught both of you um you know as far as your guys thoughts on it well i just i really liked this game uh because the one play that that we had had of it and i i own this game i just hadn't gotten it to table but it, it tells great stories i mean we had such a good time when we were playing it you know just with the cards and making up stories about our families and the, and the, right. the, the art is just really interesting too. So we were just, you know, laughing at each other, sort of getting saddled with either a really oily looking dude and <laughs> just a horsey, horsey faced woman or, you right. know, just really funny stuff and, and what your kids turn out to look like. I mean, it was great because the mechanisms are very sound of course, and it's, it's a worker placement sort of, sort of deal and it's also engine builder but it's a really it's an interesting engine builder because you've got to be careful how you how you do it but uh the theme is really what you know and this is sort of the way ignacy trevichek designs games is sort of or his i shouldn't say he didn't design it i don't think but uh it's under his label of portal and sort of you know there's this games that tell stories and this just has a great story with it i just that's my yeah. favorite part about it so yeah, and, the, and then with the expansion, they added, you know, even more to the theme. So I think it's called Five Families, but uh, when you play, you'll get your own little family deck. And it's not for you to use, but it's you, for you to offer to other players, like offer your cousin to another uh. player. And if they take it, then you get 
um, a favor, basically. Uh, it's interesting. So that's great. Yeah, we'll definitely have to play it a little bit more. I would love that. Cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's Legacy. And then uh, for my last pick, uh, I'm going to take Concordia. There you Chad go. Chad brought that up a little bit Shocker. earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's my special. number one game of this year. Um, yeah, Concordia and then Viticulture is my number two. So, um, yeah, with Concordia, it's another one of those games where the you can start playing this game, you know, within like five or ten minutes because all the rules are basically right on the cards that you get. It's super dry theme. It's just trading <laughs> in the Mediterranean. Um, but to me, it, it just, you know, as far as that card play goes, it, it just sings there. So, but on your turn, you're going to play one card. You'll do the action that's on the card. And I mean, most of them are going to be, you know, like moving your colonists or your ship around and then building uh, these different trade houses in the different cities throughout the board. Uh, there's just a bunch of different cards that you can get. You all start with the same card but you'll it kind of has that rondell feel because you don't get your cards back until you play the tribune card which will allow you to take all your cards back and this is another one where and i say this a lot with games but i do love expansions the expansion really ramps it up I, i'll play base game I, it's not like viticulture where i probably will never play the basic base game again um but you know, if we can play with the Concordia Salsa expansion, that's what, you know, I would prefer because it adds the wild resource uh, in the salt. And then it also adds the forum tiles, which kind of give you variable player powers, which is interesting. So, yeah. What do you guys think? I really like the expansion, too. I really like more than the wild resources. I like the the having the variable player powers that you have to kind of choose. And, right. and sometimes that directs your strategy as to how you want to you know, try to beat somebody to one of those where you sort of divert your strategy off the map and you're kind of, you know, trying to go for those kinds of things too. Um, but yeah, this, this game for me, actually, it's interesting. It's one of those games. I don't know if you have any of those games where you'll never suggest it. You'll never suggest that game. I own the game. I, I have about three or four other maps too. And I, I own the game but I almost never pull it off the shelf myself. And somebody will be like, oh, I've heard about Concordia. What about that one? And I'll be like, oh, okay, sure, yeah. yeah. And then we'll play, we'll play it. And then I'm like, oh man, why don't I always, why don't I play this game? You know, like, it's just one of those that I, it, it's, it's maybe because it's so dry and theme, you know, I like theme, but it, it's not, it's all about mechanisms for me. That's the most right. important thing because that's, you know, that's what, what does it for me in games. But maybe it's the theme but i just it's it's sort of a brussels sprouts thing for me where i think that you know that 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 it's like i don't want i don't want to eat it but then i eat it it's like oh that was so good for me that was so good for me so well that box know. cover isn't helping so. <laughs> yeah, well, the box cover <laughs> i think that's also awful. part of the reason that it's yeah. hard to take off the shelf sometimes because that is a hideous yeah. box yeah, I actually think that that weird-looking woman on the box cover is the same woman that's being stared at by the three cowboys in Great Western Trail. So. <laughs> <laughs> like in the same creepy universe. All right, the thing anyway. that kills me with that box cover is that they redid the box cover and they left her on there. <laughs> right. She looks just that's as right. creepy. No, wait, wait, wait. We'll fix it. It's creepy woman with a purple background. Right. There you go. Yeah. Okay, thanks. What about you, Clef? We, well, I think I think I taught it to you. Yeah, you, you did. And 
I, I feel like this is almost sacrilegious because I mean, this game is like in my, my wheelhouse. I mean, it's resource management, you know, it's a dry theme, Euro-y type of game in the Mediterranean. <laughs> I've, I literally have played it the one time with you, Chad, and I've never played it again. I, I take that back. I think I played oh, yeah. one time. Yeah, I think I played one time online with somebody, and I but I couldn't quite remember what I was doing, so I was just kind of you know taking actions or whatever. But yeah, so I don't know why. Uh, maybe that's because you know obviously we do play a lot of games together, and I don't own this one. So if you're never saying, "Hey, let's pull it off the shelf," I guess I, I, that's the only one time I played it. So that's true. I, yeah, you yeah you definitely need to play more because especially in your first game, because you really don't and I didn't say this as far as when I was describing it, but you only score at the end of the game. So if you're playing someone who knows how to play, it's hard to, or if you're playing with people who don't know how to play, it's hard for them to kind of gauge where they're at necessarily on the score track. Cause you're not going to find out. I don't even know why they put the scoring pieces on there because you, you'll basically just figure out your score and set it. And then that's True. it. Yeah. So, well, we but. did, I mean, for Clef so that he could see it and, we did do the intermediate scoring so he could see oh, how okay. it works gotcha. kind of but but uh that's actually what i really like about the game though is that it's really hard to math out and see how everybody's doing near the end you it's still going to be generally a surprise as to what your exact score is you know and sometimes when you get a real close score there at the end and just it's right. it's great it's great for that right so. so yeah definitely right. i i just i've got to get it to the table again so that's that's a definite cool all right, so that was my last one, Concordia. All right, okay, good choice. Uh, yeah, it's it's an okay list. All <laughs> right, uh, so now I'm ready for my last one. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know what this is. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> he clears his throat. It's uh, it's Glass Road. No, um, <laughs> that's that's not a bad game, but no, this is uh. You know, this this is one of my favorites by far overall and definitely my number one of 2013. And that is Nations. And I want to specify that that is Nations. And as Richie just said a little bit ago, that's the expansion sometimes just making games even better. And Nations with the expansion, uh, Dynasties is what the expansion is called. This is just truly an epically great game for me. Um it basically is a strategy civilization card building game where you're drafting from um, some different cards that you then put these cards onto your nation boards. And these nation boards have another one of my favorite mechanisms in a game, which is variable player power. So each nation that you get will have a different power that you get to use and it will have pre-printed cards that are on that board that you can place workers on to do different actions. But as you take these cards, you're going to replace those printed, pre-printed uh, spots and, and get better actions as you as you move along in the game and the eras go by in the uh, for the civilization, uh, for you know from age one to age two to age three, and it just continues to to move up. Um, and then basically, as you're placing these workers on these cards, you're either doing that to gain resources or you're doing it to either gain stability or gain military and sometimes you're taking maples off or you might be losing uh, stability to gain military or you know vice versa or resources and it really is a very heavy thinking how do i 
maximize the best out of the workers that I have on the board. Um, where as the game goes along, you might one round just completely ignore military and because, you know, you might be going in a different direction and then the next round or the next game or however you want to put it, you might completely, you know, not worry about stability or you might have one resource that, you know, you don't maybe as heavy go into because you're, you know, going, there's just a lot of different deep strategies that you kind of have as, as this game goes on. It does have what's kind of nice. It has a built-in mechanism that you can play if you've never played the game and you're playing with somebody who has a lot of experience in the game, you can start it what they call a different level uh, where, you know, Chieftain is the basic, the, the bottom level. And then there's three other levels that it moves up. And the higher you go up, the less resources you kind of earn as you go throughout the game. So it's kind of a, you know, a, a balancing thing. Oh, I really know how to play this game and you have no idea. Well, I can kind of handicap myself and, and, the, and the game, you know, kind of, does that for you in, the, in that circumstance so um i love the, the number one thing that i will say about this game and the reason i love it so much is that the variability i have played and i literally have this is not a lie or a joke or anything i've literally played well over 50 times of nations and i feel like i've never played the same game twice it simply comes out different. Every The cards make so much difference. The nations that you have will make a difference. People who play, you know, you somebody might take a nation and play it one way, and another person might play it a completely different way. So it's always different every single time you play this. And so I, I, every time I get to the end, I just sit there and feel like, oh, I just had a really great experience for, for what the game was. Now, theme, as I just said with Firefly, really is a, an amazing part of a firefly for me nations you know the theme sure you're building up a civilization but that's not what does that's not what makes this game great for me what makes it great is the mechanics how it's played and the interaction between the players and another thing that i really like about it is it's that i like about games in general i should say players each take an action and then it moves to the next player it's not like you have a very long turn where you're waiting for somebody to do a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, pretty much you can go have a sandwich and come back before it's your turn. It's, it's very quick where you're back and forth with actions. And, and that's another thing that I really like about it and the strategy that goes along with it. I feel like I've talked way too long. So anyways, but that's nation. I absolutely love it. So I know you guys have both only played it the one time that I, that, uh, that I showed it to you back at uh, Prince kind of what's some of your thoughts on it, Richie? I liked it. I, it was um, a long day, a long day of gaming. So I would definitely want to play it again. And I, I think our play of this went a couple hours. So it's tough to judge it, you know, on that. But um, yeah, we definitely need to get this played again. So instead of just Nations, the dice game, I think it was the last Nations game I played with you. Ugh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not exactly. That, that should not game. even share the name, same name. But okay. <laughs> uh, what about you, Chad? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to play this again. Certainly, it's not something that's jumping off the shelf. I, I own it too. Strangely enough, I haven't, I haven't uh, played it for whatever reason. But I would like to play it again. Um, I would like to sit down and, and again, like Richie said, because the last play we had of it went so long, I'm kind of reluctant to. But I, I. I 
I'd definitely like to play it again. It, it's interesting to me. And I, I would love to play at some point to play through the ages too, just to compare and contrast the two. Cause these get compared all the time. So they definitely do. And I've, you know, I've played a couple of games of through the ages and kind of when I was saying the one thing I like about nations is the, when you take an action, then it's the next person's turn to take an action and you're kind of bouncing back and forth. So you're kind of fully involved the entire time. My problem with through the ages was I feel like when I played a three player game and, you know, I play with gamers who are going to take some time and they're going to think about their plays. I felt like there was, you know, somebody take their turn and I just had nothing to do. I'm just sitting there. Doesn't matter what they're doing. And they take this turn and then another player takes this turn and finally, like, you know, whatever amount of time, whether it's 10 or 15 minutes later, now it's finally my turn. And sometimes that kind of disengages me with games. And I feel sure. like at least that's what happened with Through the Ages. And now I've heard a lot of people and I know even like on, uh, uh, you know, uh, a podcast that I, that I listen to, uh, Heavy Cardboard, uh, it's their favorite game of all time. But they'll hmm. readily admit they will never play it more than three players. You know, they would never play it as a four player game where for me nations, I think the sweet spot is at four players. I, I don't mind it at three. I don't mind it at two. Um, I've even played it solo. Not that I'll never do that again, but I feel like even five, I think the player counts kind of are, are good across the board where through the ages is definitely, if I'm going to play through the ages, I'm playing a two player game because I can't sit there and wait for two people to take turns before it gets back. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so that was Nations, uh, also included Nations Dynasty, the expansion. All right. Uh, this is it. This is it. my last one then, huh? All right, so I will go with, uh, for my last one, I'll go with another multi-use card game, also a race game, Lewis and Clark. Yeah. So, uh you like I've talked about. I, I love the mechanism of grabbing a card and just agonizing over what I what I need to use it for. Uh, and you get a hand of these basically in Lewis and Clark, and it's also got sort of a worker placement mechanism with it as well, where you're powering the cards uh, based on certain things that you're doing out on the board and converting resources. It's an engine builder, but it's an interesting engine builder because you have to be able to dismantle your engine a little bit and re retool it to go over different terrains. So you're building a canoe engine to go over the water, but then you have to go over the mountains and you've got to build a, an engine to climb that. Because basically what you, what you are, as it sounds like you are, you are the, the team of Lewis and Clark or, I guess possibly a rival team if you're if you're you know competing against each other that is racing to get to the Pacific Ocean on that trail and you're playing different cards down for abilities of the personages on the card which by the way are real people on the expedition which are fantastic I mean first of all you've got um, you've got uh, great art by uh, oh shoot uh, who uh, is Vincent Dutre. Yes, thank you, Vincent Dutre. I mean, one of the best in board mm -hmm. game art out there. I mean, if not the best. And then you've got everything in the manual has has historical significance of each character card, which is great. And you just really get that flavor on there. So if you like history at all, too, this is great. And of course, you know, um, we've grew, grown up right here along that sort of Lewis and Clark trail. So growing up and 
in Iowa, like the Iowa history is, is kind of fun too, to know all that stuff. But besides that, it's like I said, it's just a really great, uh, great race game where you're engine building and you're interacting and you're, you have to set up camp, which sets you backwards a couple steps. So you're trying to make sure that you're accounting for that. And then you're also, when you're moving forward, you can hop people because you can't be on the same space. So you're trying to strategically see where people are going to end up so you can hop them most efficiently. It's, it's a really great little game. And yes, for a race game, I, you know, it's not formula day where you're speeding around the track, but it is, it's, it's a really, uh, thinky hand management multi-use card game that I just, I really enjoy. So that's, that's the last one on my list, Lewis and Clark. You, you guys, I, I can't remember, Richie, you've played it, right? I've just had one play of it and it okay. was, um, a long time ago. The okay. guy that taught me slaughtered me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that can uh, happen with that game. And yeah, when it's a I race like, game, of course, if somebody can jump out way ahead, you can be like, well, this is going to be long. Yeah, it was over <laughs> pretty early, but we, I kind of had to slog through it, but uh, I definitely want to play it again. It it seemed very interesting, um, and I I like multi use cards, so I definitely want to give it another shot. Great, yeah. Well, Clef, you you've played it with me. Uh, yeah, I think it, well, and the one play that I've had is uh, with you, and then I think uh, our friend Josh and we played it. Um, I remember I pulled out the win, so that's <laughs> of course yes, you did pull out the win. <laughs> that's all that yeah. matters. There you go. Um, I remember liking it, but. I'll also say, I mean, I, I we played that one time, and yet it, it hasn't come back out. So sometimes I always wonder about that. So maybe it's one of those that I do need to get another play under my belt to, to see exactly kind of my my true feelings uh, for it. Sure. Yeah. All right. That was our lists, right? Wow. Yeah, should we give a recap? That's all of them. So, yeah, let's give a recap, starting starting with the uh, the number one. All right. All right, so I took uh, Viticulture, and then Russian Railroads, Coal Baron, Legacy, The Testament of Duke de Cressy, and Concordia. Okay, so I took, which is the best list, let's just start off with that. I took <laughs> Madeira, Brew Crafters, Bruges, Nations, and Firefly. All right. And then, last but not least, my all-stars are Brussels 1893, Bora Bora, uh, Rococo, Caverna, and Lewis and Clark. Okay. So there you go. So, um, I don't know if I, I just, you know, just to throw it out there, I had a few honorable mentions that I'm not going to discuss them, but just to throw them out there. I know Amerigo, yeah. I know, is a really popular one from 2013. I like uh, that. Uh Francis Drake, I know, is a very popular one that a lot of people oh, enjoy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Rialto, which we all got to play into that, that we all thought was pretty good. Uh, definitely, Yeah, that was actually a really good game. It's a surprising, yeah. surprisingly great one. Yeah. And then uh, Rockwell, I don't know if either one of you guys have played that. Uh, I got introduced nope. to that game uh, just mm -hmm. recently and found it to actually be kind of a, a neat little game. So I don't know. Did you guys have any honorable mentions that almost made your list? Or... Chad, I'll let you go first. I had one of them that I had uh, that I feel worth mentioning is, is Skull King, Richie, which might be on your list, I guess. I didn't, you know, not, not yeah, to steal no, it or game. anything, but but you, I had a copy because I had heard about it from you, but then you taught it to me. So it's just a fun little game. I played it at work with a, with a coworker who really likes poker. We had a great time. We had a great time. Yeah, so. it's a good little card game. Okay. 
Anything uh, for me, for honorable mentions, I had uh, Nauticus. Have you guys played that one at all? It's a uh-uh. Wolfgang and uh, uh, or Cromer and Kiesling. I don't think it ever made it over to the United States, which is, you know, obviously huh. it piques my interest right away with that <laughs> <Sure>. and uh, <laughs> the fact that it's Kramer and uh, Kiesling. I'll have to bring it over one time. It's a, you know, Rondell game um, from there, but it, it's it's interesting. Okay. Nice. Um, but yeah, that and uh, Quantum was the other one that uh, okay do an honorable mention for. Hmm. And that one I haven't played either. But Okay, so now that our draft is done, so we have all of our lists that we just read to you. We're actually going to put those lists on our guild page on Board Game Geek, and I'm going to have all of you guys go and vote on who you think had the best list, who kind of drafted the best list, and just let us know. And we'll just have some fun to see which which one of our lists you guys think is best. So, um, Richie, what's our our guild number that we have for that? Our guild is three two two seven. Ooh, that's a good number. I like that one. Three, two, two, seven. <laughs> All right. It's like that TV so, show. So yeah, yeah. Well, there, yeah. Two, two, that's seven. Right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Oh, great. So, well, that's it for episode one of Punchboard Paradise. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, here is our our email is punchboardparadise at gmail dot com. Uh, you can get on our Twitter account at at punchboarders, or you can join our Instagram page at Punchboard Paradise. Uh, let us know if there's anything that you liked about this episode, anything that maybe you thought you didn't like, any suggestions you might have. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. So next episode, the Punchboarders will review Heaven and Ale and discuss the topic, what makes a great game or a great gaming experience. So until then, bye-bye. Bye. Have a good one.